It's a Sunday afternoon while I'm recording this and it's been raining most of the day although there are some blue skies now but it's a bit late in the day for me to actually be bothered to go out and shoot anything. Um, I'm in the middle of a four days off and on Friday I did go out shooting some more stuff for my Streets of London um, project which basically I'm shooting all in black and white and all on film. Um, now I know this is called On the Streets of Street Photography podcast, but to be perfectly honest, I'm starting to get really, really bored of street photography, which I don't think I would have said a year ago. Um, it just seems as though everything just seems to be the same. It seems to be, always be you know, steamed up windows in a restaurant or people coming out of dark shadows in a light or crushed black images with dark silhouetted shadows are oh, just boring their pants off me at the moment. So, although I'll probably keep the name of this, most of the stuff is not really going to be about street photography as is at the moment. But anyway, getting back to my Streets of London project. Um, so far I've shot four rolls of film for it. Um, we're a mixture of films. <clears throat> a couple of HP5s, T-Max, and I think a Rolly roll, can't remember. Um, while I was out Friday, I managed to pick up two rolls of Kentmere 400, which I'm going to give a try of as well. Never shot that before. Um, so that will be interesting to see what that comes out like. I'm probably going to go out Monday and collect some more shots. When I do projects, I tend to work through them quite quickly. I know a lot of people will take months or um, even years to do projects, but I tend to shoot them quite quickly and probably get them sh everything that I want shot within a month. Um, whether this is good or bad, I don't know. I know, I think it was last year, i done 36 views of the Shard, which is a big, well, the I think it's the tallest building in Europe, or maybe the second tallest building in Europe. And basically what I done was I went around and uh, different views of it from all around London because most of uh, most of the time you can see the shard somewhere in London. And I think I shot that, like I say, in about a month. Uh, it was quite quick. So I do tend to work on projects quite quickly because um, I just feel as though if you let them continue too long, then they just tend to stagnate and I just like to get my images shot and processed and shown in whatever form, whether that's going to be as um, an e-zine or an actual physical scene that I might have printed or just on Instagram or somewhere. Um, yeah, so I think I'm starting to waffle. So I'm going to take a little break there and um, come back with another topic.
Also on Friday while I was out, I managed to get onto the photographer's gallery to see the Tishmurter exhibition. Um, I've been a follower of Tishmurter's work for about a year, 18 months now. Um, her daughter started posting images of her mother's work up on Instagram and that's where I first saw it and uh, I was intrigued by it. It was social documentary stuff, um, a lot of it shot in Newcastle in the northeast of England um, during Thatcher years and the 80s and whatnot. Uh, Tish died in 2013 but her daughter managed to get um, a Kickstarter campaign done and get a book out of it which was called Youth Unemployment which I backed and managed to get a copy which I think I got either tail end of last year or the beginning of this year and really enjoyed seeing the pictures in the book but it was good to actually get to the exhibition and see the um, pictures actually hung on walls and actual proper images more so than just being in a book. Also um, on in the photographer gallery was an American artist called uh, Alex Prager who does these massive um, tableau pictures I mean all the images are, I think are actually set up they're a bit like um, Gregory Cruson's images although a lot more lighter and interesting um, the exhibition on at the moment up there is called I think it was oh, I can't remember yeah it was called um, Silver Lake Drive and Basically, they're massive pictures with lots of people in them. Um, pretty interesting, not my kind of stuff, but yeah, it was interesting to see it anyway. And like I say, it's pretty similar to um, Cruisen's work. Okay, I think I'm going to take another little break there, and when I come back, I want to talk about analog cameras. Welcome back. Um, right, in the world of street photography, one of the cameras that people always recommend, other than the Fujis, is the Ricoh GR2. Now, it's um, a really small compact camera, but it's got an APS-C sensor in it, and it's 28mm and f2 lens, so it, it's pretty good for street photography. Now... I've never owned one because um, there are issues with it. It does get a lot of dust on the sensor for some reason. <clears throat> and for what it is, it's quite expensive. But Ricoh made film cameras back in the day. And I was interested in getting uh, a Ricoh film camera. So I did a search for the Ricoh GR1 I think it is and um, I'm actually on my computer now searching it again yeah so the Rico GR1 which is the film camera mm, no, so it's not showing up now it's only actually showing up for the digitals that's really annoying Oh, Japanese camera hunter that'll look good as it so yeah I was looking to get get one because 
although I've got a couple of compacts, I've got the um, Olympus XA3 and I've got an Olympus Muji. Oh, it's not a 2, it's a, their Zoom version, which is a 38 to about 105 or something. But again, with both of them cameras, the lens is too long. 35mm is too long sometimes for me. I'd like to have a 28 on my comp as a compact. So I had a look around to see how much a GR1 cost. Man, they're expensive. Some places are like asking £800 for them. I'm uh, just trying to see where I can find one on eBay. Yeah, eBay. And, oh, actually, well, $549 for a 20-odd-year-old camera. That's uh, a lot of money to spend out for a camera. 600 Seven hundred dollars. There's there we go. Eight hundred and twenty-nine dollars. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Now I know back in the day, um, the camera. Oh, it's a fairly high-end camera, so they were going for you know quite a bit back in the day. But it just seems as though now most film cameras are just the price. They're being priced out of what people are you know. Are willing well what I'm willing to pay some people will always be willing to pay um, silly prices but if you look at the contacts um, t3 and t2 I mean some places are asking like a thousand dollars for them and it's just ridiculous even the um, Yashica t4s three four hundred dollars I mean that's a lot of money for a camera especially a film camera that's you know at least 20 years old um, so I think I'll be sticking with my Olympuses for the time being it seems as though film cameras are uh, like gold dust now um, even going to local second-hand shops and thrift stores or you know places like Sue Ryder and uh, British Heart Foundation shops they're just not in the shops anymore they just all seem to have disappeared and they go online and they're looking to get the best price they can for them which i can understand but i just don't understand the prices we've got a, a camera shop opened up in greenwich where i live and they were charging 270 pound for an olympus om10 which is probably more or maybe about the same price as they were when they first came out in the i don't know 1986 or something so it's just um film seems to be taking off it's a shame that no one's actually making any new film cameras although they were going to probably could be mega expensive as well okay time for another little break Okay, not as to confuse anybody, but this piece is recorded a couple of days after the last piece. And today I was listening to Neil Piper's um, Soot and Whitewash podcast, and he mentioned about a new, <clears throat> I don't know, uh, 
sensor that you can attach to your analog camera. So I thought, hmm, what does that do? So I've gone to the website and had a look and <laughs> it's like Frankenstein. <laughs> it's just totally wrong. And I've looked at, to see what sort of sensor it has on it as well. And it's got a, a one over 2.3 MOS sensor on it, which is tiny, tiny sensor. I mean, it's not even thing. So it's not even APS-C or thing. It's tiny. It's what's normally in, you know, your little Vivitar compacts. <clears throat> so the quality of it's going to be pretty low, which, you know, it does say that on the um, website, which I'm just scrolling through now. You know, it's saying... Um, in similar solutions like pinhole and thermography, it gives your photos with the use of a scanner and other art forms. Oh, that doesn't make sense. <clears throat> but anyway, um, if I want, you know, pictures with loads of noise in them and whatnot, I'll use a crappy um, digital, cheap digital camera. And if I want crappy film, cameras I'll use my Holger oh, not crappy that's that's unfair but you know what I mean it just looks <laughs> oh, I don't know it just looks horrendous um, I mean looking at the the back for the OM10 it's like the OM10's doubled in size and why you want to put that on your camera oh, I just I really don't know I mean I thought Yashica were pretty mad when they came out with their Digifilm, which was the camera that they announced last year, I think, which was uh, a film camera, but it's not actually film. It's got pretend rolls or something. I don't know. It's just really strange. But there you go. I don't understand why these people are... are I think there's even a market for this. I mean, maybe there is. I mean, if it's been backed <clears throat> on Kickstarter, then obviously there is a market. But why don't you just use your time and effort into producing a actual modern film camera? I, I'm totally lost for words. I really, I don't know what to say. Uh, it just makes me laugh. It is funny. Oh, I'm going to have to take a break and come back. <laughs> okay, welcome back to the final part. I've finished laughing. Um, back to Friday. I shot two rolls of uh, HP5, <clears throat> which I sent off Saturday morning to get developed, and they've arrived back this evening. So I have got an evening of digitalizing the next and hopefully i'll start to get some stuff posted up over the next few days um i think that's about it for this episode uh it's been a bit over the all over the place um bits and pieces just randoms i think um obviously if you've got anything to say about this um i'm back i know neil mentioned it and said if you had anything to post on his uh 
podcast or get in touch with him. Same here. If you've seen it or you think anything about it, drop me a line. Um, my email is on the streets at talktalk.com or you can use the Anchor app to leave a message. Um, I'll leave all my details in the show notes, so Instagram and whatnot. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, and if you enjoy it, please subscribe. Um, I think that's it. So once again, thanks for listening, and bye for now.